Well, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Harbor Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Harbor. How we doing? Great to see you guys. Uh, some of you I saw last weekend, or last week on Thursday, and some of you uh, I haven't seen yet this year. So happy new year to those I haven't seen. It is wonderful to see you. Um, hope everyone had a really awesome, awesome uh, time off, break, and I know we're like diving back into work and school and all that. So man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good year. I really feel that, and uh, I'm praying God does awesome things in your life this year. Um, Really quick, I got a couple things before we dive in officially to the teaching. Um, first off, um, I know I already said it when I came up here before, but uh, man, I just really like feel in my heart and my spirit that I, I just really feel like God wants us in this room just to know how much he loves us. And uh, man, I think it, it is unimaginable the love that God has for us. It's so easy, even though it is crazy love that he has for us, it's so easy for us to doubt that because of our emotion, because of an experience or whatever. But I just really feel, feel like God wants us to know that that, that, that he loves us and each and every person in here is just super, super valuable. And so I just wanted to say that. Uh, the second thing I just wanted to say really quick is kind of just a update on Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in general. Um, one cool thing about the harbor is that there's people who go to all different types of churches in our, in our community um, that go to the harbor. And that's awesome, and I love that. Um, one of my things is, like, I, I never want to, to be, like, just trying to— we don't want the harbor to be this thing that, like, pulls you from the church that you go to on the weekends and the church that you're a part of. This is an opportunity for the young adults all over our community to connect and grow together in the Lord. Um, but that being said, I really do believe that— that everyone should be connected to a local church. And so um, if, if you don't have a local church, um, we, we would love for you to come and be part of uh, Calvary and be part of what God's doing. But um, our church, Calvary, has been kind of in a season of transition for like really the past like three to four months. And uh, so uh, this weekend or this past weekend, uh, the elders actually announced that uh, Pastor Dave Folkerts is our new senior pastor. Um, a lot of us know Pastor Dave. He's come in here and preached at the harbor. Uh, he and his wife, Barb, are amazing. Uh, he, Pastor Dave and Barb and I, we started uh, the harbor together seven years ago, seven and a half years ago. And he has been uh, my mentor and my boss for all of those seven and a half years we meet every week. Just an incredible man of God, an incredible man of integrity, and just someone that I really look up to as a pastor, as a leader, as a husband, as a father. And he and Barbara are true heroes of mine. And so um, I'm grateful that, that God's doing new things and, and just have seen him lead with such wisdom. Um, but then one other piece of the transition that, that was announced last weekend is uh, the, the elders and the leadership of the church have asked me to be the Melbourne campus pastor. Um, so yeah, wow. So that's exciting. Um, so yeah, I, I've stepped into that role and uh, kind of, uh, I mean, it's official. It's on the website. So like there's no going back at this point. You can't edit the website. You can't edit the internet, unfortunately. So it's happening. Um, but uh, I will still be, and I kind of hinted at it last week. I, I wasn't able to fully give the details, but I did just want to let us know, man, I, for this next season, at least, I will still be leading the harbor and the pastor of the harbor. So uh, you aren't going to get rid of me that easily. However, um, I do just want to say I really am excited about this, um, not because I think sometimes 
uh, people look at like generational ministry, like youth or young adults, and it's like, man, like, can't wait to get to the big leagues, you know? And, and this is like, you know, the JV team or something. But like, I, I, I was thinking about it, and I really do believe like part of the reason that I'm so excited about stepping into this role is because like I really do genuinely believe in our generation. I genuinely do believe in, in the, the youth and in the, the, the kiddos that are coming up behind us. And I believe God wants to do an incredible thing in our generation. And so it's my hope and my prayer that as I get an opportunity to speak on the weekends, as I get an opportunity to be in meetings and in conversations, that, that we as a generation even have more of a voice and more of a heartbeat and that I'm able to, to, to speak up. And I'm praying that God uh, uses this, A, um, to grow the harbor. And I've already seen that. There's been uh, some of us in here who like, you didn't know about the harbor and then you saw me speak on a weekend and now you're like, hey, Harbor, that's awesome. So I'm praying God does that, but I'm also praying that, that God, um, that, that we as, as young adults would be excited about not only what's happening in this room, but what's happening in, in our church and then throughout the community as well. And the biggest thing I'm really praying about is that, man, that we would just see revival happen in our generation and that we would see God begin to save and rescue so many different people um, in in this, uh, in, in, that, that are youth and that are young adults in our community. And so that's my deepest prayer. Um, so with that being said, um, thanks for clapping, by the way. That was really nice of you. I, I appreciate it. I didn't, didn't expect it, but, or didn't, you don't have to do it, but I appreciate it. Um, I'd like to pray and then we'll dive into the message. Sound good? Okay, cool. Dear God, thank you for this evening. Thank you that you are moving in this community and that you have been just doing such an incredible work in this community, in so many lives in here, and I just see the life change, see the excitement of coming to know you. And so God, I just pray that you would continue to move in the 2022, that we would not step back, but that we would advance forward, and that your kingdom would advance forward. We pray that we would see many people get saved in 2022, and many people grow in their faith. We love you, in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Okay. So I'm going to be jumping around in the Bible tonight and throughout this series. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of scriptures on the screen. If you want to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, that's where I'll be in just a moment. But in the year of 1787, a very fascinating event happened in the middle of Russia. Now, I know most of us haven't thought about uh, the 16th or 18th or whatever century in Russia recently, but um, man, it was a really interesting thing, and, and it's a story that, that I think about often. So there was a man, and his name was Gregory Potemkin. Everybody say Potemkin. Potemkin. And Gregory Potemkin was a, a ruler and a leader over a specific area of Russia, and he was also um, the lover of the empress, the czarist Catherine II. And he came up with this grand idea for Catherine II, who ruled over all of the land of Russia. He said, you need to go on a tour and, and walk throughout your entire land and see how awesome it is, the kingdom that you rule. Now, Gregory Potemkin convinced Catherine to do this, and she began a six-month tour of Russia. But Gregory Potemkin also had a realization, which is there are some really cool parts of Russia, and I haven't been there, but there are some parts of Russia that, in that time, needed some work. 
And so he came up with the idea of this thing called a Potemkin village. And basically what it was, was he constructed fake villages along the roadside. And as Catherine the Great walked by, there would be actors in those villages. And and they were temporary houses, facades. And they would be actors in these villages. And so she would ride by and she would see, wow, these people look so happy. These houses look so amazing. My land is incredible. (laughs) Then after she left... They would break down the houses. They would rush them forward into her journey, rebuild them, and put the actors in so that she would drive right by the exact same houses again for the next village. And thus, a famous term was coined, and it's used in many different capacities called a Potemkin village. And the story or the idea behind a Potemkin village is that it is something attractive and enjoyable to look at, but it hides something or, or covers up something that it, the news isn't so great. It covers up something darker or more sinister. And, and I want us to think about this idea of a Potemkin village tonight. And the, the reason is we're in this series called We Are the Resistance. And the idea of this series uh, is really centered around Ephesians chapter 5, verse I believe, 14 through 16, and it's up on the screen. And it says this, it says, Wake up, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. So the idea of this series is that you and I, we are called and we are invited to wake up. That it's possible to be a Christian, but yet to be asleep. To to be busy in the world, but not to be effective for the kingdom of God. It's possible to go through this year and do a lot of stuff, but look back and realize I wasn't truly effective in the kingdom of God. And at the same time, it's possible for us to realize that this year is an opportunity and that we have an opportunity to see God move in our lives, to see God move in our community. But, but we have to understand this, and this is what we talked about last week. It's, it's up on the podcast if you want to listen. But last week, we, we talked about two things. First off, we learned that we have to wake up to the war, that you and I, as followers of Jesus, we are in a war. And it is not a war against people. It's not a war against the annoying person that posts things that make you mad on social media. It's it's not a war against your non-Christian neighbor who's doing sketchy things like across the hall. It's it's a war, but it's not against people. It's a war against the devil. It's a war against our own fleshly and evil desires. And it's a war against the system of the world that is leading us away from God. So we have to realize we're in a war. We also have to realize that we have a calling to be a peaceful resistance. So we don't fight the way the world fights. We fight with kingdom values. We are a resistance against the evil that is in the world, but we don't resist by by methods or by strategies that, that the world might use. We use methods and strategies that the kingdom invites us into. 
And, and so over the next three weeks, my goal with this series is to talk about three ways that we join the resistance, three ways that we fight against the, the, the forces of darkness and operate as a city on a hill in our community. And so tonight, the title of my teaching is this. It is a resistance of attention. A resistance of attention. That's the title for tonight, and we're gonna be talking about this idea of attention throughout tonight. Everybody say attention. Attention. We are in a war right now, and there is a war happening for our attention. The, the greatest way that you and I, we can fight this war, and this is the, the thought that we're going to rally around tonight, is that we need to start paying attention to what we pay attention to. Now, the, the reason that I opened tonight and talked about a Potemkin village is because I want to work off the, the theory tonight that oftentimes our screens can be a Potemkin village. And here's what I mean by that. In the past, remember what we talked about, a Potemkin village is someone or something that, that looks flashy, it looks impressive, it looks amazing, but behind the scenes is something more dark, something more sinister, something that maybe we don't wanna see. And so in the past, I want you to think about this. We're going to pause for a moment for this sermon, and we're going to have a brief lesson on economics. Anybody studying economics right now in school? Okay, zero people. Okay. That's a relief because I don't know that much. So I'm like really glad no one's going to actually be able to call me out. But in the past, most people made money based on having something worthwhile to sell, right? Like I grow corn, uh, you need corn, so I sell you corn. Or, you know, like Rollin and Johnny, they both are selling quality bars of soap. And so my job is to discern as the shopper who has the best bar of soap for the fairest price. And that's what I will purchase. That's how it used to be. But over the past few years, with the advent of all of the technologies that we are now familiar with, the, the, the method of, of making money has shifted from, from products. And there are still plenty of people who make money on products, but it is shifted towards our attention. And I want you to think about this. Think about these brands, TikTok and Netflix and YouTube and Amazon Prime and Disney Plus and PlayStation and Xbox and all of these brands that the reason that they're making money is because we are paying attention to them. Our eyeballs are on them, which funds their business. And so there are literally billions and billions of dollars being pointed at our brains to get us to want to keep looking at our screens. And literally so many people are financially incentivized to keep us locked in. Now, the question is, if this is a Potemkin village, what, what is hiding behind the surface? And I just want to say this really quick. I'm not trying to be like the grumpy old man, like get off my lawn. Everyone has to throw their cell phones in the garbage before we leave, okay? You guys tracking? I'm not the guy who's like, you know, God's calling everyone here to get a flip phone. Like I know there's some of us here, you just got all your friends on iPhone so all your group chat can be blue, right? So I don't wanna ruin that, I don't wanna mess that up. I, just, I know that hit hard for some people. 
And, and so that's not what I'm doing. I, I love technology. I use technology. And also, I, I love that there are many people in this room who are using technology to advance the kingdom. And, and there are people who are doing creative things, like TJ, like Caleb, like Andrew, like Kiara, they're using technology to do creative things to advance the kingdom. And so I celebrate it. And I think we literally need like missionaries on TikTok. We need missionaries on YouTube. We need missionaries in meta when that starts to be rolled out. And so I'm not crapping on technology here, but, but I am asking us to consider something because remember a Potemkin village is hiding something behind it. And there's a few things that I think we can consider. First off, I think what could be hiding is wasted time and wasted opportunity. I was kind of doing some research and studying, and I came across this quote from a writer that I found very fascinating. And he said, if I live another 50 years, I know the biggest regret that I'll have is that I paid attention to the wrong things. And yet, I am constantly paying attention to the wrong things. And I don't know if you resonate with that. I resonate with that. Not even, man, I watched that horrible, sinful video or not even, man, I can't believe I listened to that song that had such terrible swear words. There are, of course, bad things and sinful things we can listen to. But, but what I think about is that so often, man, on my day off, there are many beautiful things that I could do to restore my soul and find peace and invest in my family and, and spend time with my son. And oftentimes the, the feeling that I get and the temptation I get to give into is I just want to spend four hours on Instagram reels and just scrolling YouTube. And, and again, it's not sinful stuff, but the idea is that, man, there's something about it that's so drawing to us. And truly, oftentimes, when we evaluate and look back, we can realize that much time and much opportunity was wasted. The, the, the second thing that I see that's hiding behind the Potemkin village is that you and I, we can often use our screens to medicate. And the reality is that when we go through difficulty, God wants to use that difficulty to draw us near to him and to enter into a deeper form of intimacy with him. But the easier thing to do is not to pray, not to read the Bible, not to spend time talking with God. The easier thing to do is to open a shiny app. Then the other thing that I see is that we get oversensitized and desensitized because so much negative stuff or bad stuff is happening. And so we either just shut down and check out or we get angry and frustrated, but we don't know what to do with it. And once again, I'm not putting the trash can out and asking everybody to throw their phones away. That's not what's happening. But, but what I am doing and what I'm hoping that this message does is that I'm asking us to consider and answer the question, what am I paying attention to? And is what I'm paying attention to actually leading me towards deeper life in Jesus? And I wanna take the next few moments and I wanna ask the question, 
what does it look like or what is the impact when we pay attention to something? Jesus, he said this in Mark 4. This is not like his most famous quote, but it is so profound for our day. He said this. He says, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What I believe that Jesus is saying here is that our intentions don't change us, our attention changes us. We, we, many of us here, all of us here have good intentions. I wanna grow. I wanna become more like Christ. I wanna do great things for God. I wanna see uh, God move in a mighty way in my life in 2022. The intention though is good, but it doesn't change us. What changes us is what we give our attention to. The things that you focus on and that I focus on in 2022 will be the things that shape me and form me and I will walk into 2023 as a product of what I have focused on in 2022. And so this is the big idea for tonight. The big idea is this, that what we give our attention to is what we worship. And so whatever it is that you're focused on the most and locked eyes with the most, that's the thing that, that is the most treasured and the most prized for you. And that's the thing that as you walk through life, that's what we are becoming more like is what we're focused on. And so you and I, we are the resistance. And we are called to be a peaceful resistance, but, but we fight by paying attention to what we pay attention to. And so tonight, I just wanna answer three questions with the rest of my time. First, I wanna ask the question, why should we give our attention to God? Why does it matter? Second, I wanna ask, how does God actually change us when we give our attention to him? And then third, I wanna ask, how do we give God our attention? So first, why should we give our attention to God? Well, it says in Psalm chapter 145 that, on the glorious splendor of God's majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. And so what, what I see in this passage and what I see in this text it is the idea that, that God is glorious, that God is beautiful, that, that God is the most incredible and most majestic thing that we could think about. And that you and I, we could spend our entire lives meditating on the character of God and not get bored and not get tired of it. And I also see his wondrous works that God does love us. He initiates a relationship with us. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. And we are invited to pay attention to that. But this is so important. And I think we need to realize this, that, that Jesus himself, when he lived on this earth, he constantly directed his attention toward God the Father. Jesus constantly directed his attention toward God the Father. In Jesus' life, it was this rhythm. It was a rhythm of going out and doing the work of the ministry, but then pausing and withdrawing and recalibrating to set his focus on God. This is what it says in Luke chapter five. It says, the news about Jesus spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus 
often withdrew to lonely places and pray. So what's interesting is Jesus was becoming a celebrity. He was becoming famous because of his healings and because of his miracles. And yet, while his fame was spreading, while the news about him, the reports about him were spreading, Jesus intentionally paused and spent time getting away from all of that to spend time praying and to spend time alone with the Father. So the question is, what benefits did Jesus get from that? Well, I see three benefits that Jesus received from spending time with the Father. First off, as Jesus spent time with God, he received identity from God and love. It says in Mark 1.11 that, that Jesus, he actually heard the audible voice of God and God said, this is my son whom I love and in whom I am well pleased. God repeated that to him at least twice, once at his baptism and once on the Mount of Transfiguration. And if you look at Jesus right before he went to the cross on John 17, he was so confident in God's love for him. And so as Jesus spent time with God, he, he grew in that knowledge, or, or at least it was reaffirmed in him. The second thing is that we see that Jesus, by spending time in prayer, he got clarity on his calling. It says in Mark chapter one that, that Jesus, he withdrew and spent time praying to God. And then as he returned, his disciples approached him and came up to him. And they said, there are many people who are waiting for you and many opportunities to do ministry. And Jesus said, no, we can't do that because I'm called to go throughout Galilee and preach. And so through prayer, God gave Jesus the ability to discern the important from the urgent. And then last, through prayer, I believe Jesus gained God's perspective on his life in the world. And Acts chapter one, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, now is the time for you to establish your government here on this earth. And Jesus said, no, that's not the time. The time is only known by the Father, but you will receive power when you go out to be my witnesses. So God, Jesus was able to understand this is what God is doing on the earth, and this is who I am, and this is how I can be a part of that mission. And of course, Jesus was the biggest part, the lead story in the mission. But for us, as we spend time with God, the same thing can be said that we gain God's, we gain an understanding of God's love and his identity, that we gain clarity in our calling, that we gain his perspective. So the first thing is, why should we spend time giving our attention to Jesus? And it is to grow in these things. The second question I want to ask is this, how does God transform us when we give our attention to him? How does God actually change us? And the answer is this, when we give our attention to God, he forms us through breakthrough and through process. So first off, everybody say breakthrough, breakthrough. And everybody say process, process. Okay, think about breakthrough for a minute. Breakthrough is kind of what everybody wants when they come to church or when they come to a Christian experience. And Maybe many of us in this room have experienced a moment where God just broke through. And what I mean by that is, man, you're in worship 
and you just feel like God is speaking directly to you. Or maybe it was a moment at camp one summer where you felt like you understood the love of God in such an incredible way. Maybe someone spoke a word of prophecy over you. Maybe someone prayed and you saw a miracle happen. It's this moment where the supernatural breaks in and we just see God do powerful things. And those moments are awesome moments, right? Like, do we, like, we love those moments, right? That's like when we are gathered together, when we're praying, we're like, God, I pray that you'll do awesome things tonight. And so breakthrough happens. When someone gets saved, when someone moves from death to life, that's because of God breaking through and doing a miracle in their life. But God also works. He's the God of breakthrough, but he's also the God of process. What that means is God works in our lives slowly, 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 agonizingly slowly sometimes. You guys tracking with what I'm saying there? Like sometimes it doesn't feel like God's moving at all. I wanna give you an example of this from scripture just so you know I'm not just kind of making this up and just throwing out some good ideas. I see in the life of Paul that Paul had a pretty incredible breakthrough. And take, take this down for just one second, guys, and maybe put up the last slide just really quick. Paul had an incredible breakthrough. He was someone who was literally hell-bent on killing Christians. And then literally in one moment, Jesus himself appeared to Paul in a vision, told him to stop killing Christians. And then Paul, for, for three days, was blinded. And then a, a man was sent directly by God to heal him of his blindness to, to restore his eyesight and to call him into a life of ministry. So I think we can all agree that is breakthrough, yes? Like that's breakthrough. That's like a crazy powerful moment of God that happened. So God moved in a breakthrough way in Paul's life, but we're also about to see that, that God also moved slowly in Paul's life. Paul writes about this moment that happened to him in the book of Galatians, and this is what he said. He said, before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal himself to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. So that's that moment. God saves Paul, he rescues Paul, and it's this powerful supernatural moment. But then he said, when this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult those who were apostles. Instead, I went away. Do we, have, do we have anything more of that or is that it? Okay, that's it. Instead, I went away, and I'll keep reading here because there's a little bit more. He says, instead, I went away into Arabia and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter and stayed with him 15 days. So what he's explaining is that he went to Arabia, which is basically the desert, the wilderness, and he spent three years in the wilderness. If you look at the timeline of Paul's life, there, there was a three-year gap where nothing happened, where he was just living in the wilderness, staying, uh, just minding his own business. And during that time, God was teaching him. During that time, God was shaping him and forming him. Some scholars have proposed that perhaps because Paul did not get three years with Jesus, this was his three-year discipleship journey with Jesus. 
And so God used the process in Paul's life just like he used the breakthrough. And it's the same with us. So, so often when we say, I want to give my attention to God, and I want us to think really practically like in our lives, most of us in here have had a moment where we're like, I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to pray every day. I'm not going to miss anymore. This is the year. And when we start doing that, I think all of us are hoping for the breakthrough. We're hoping for the moment where it's like, man, I read the verse, I started weeping and crying and realizing how much God loved me or the, the, the sin that I was trying to get rid of left or, or the, 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 the frustration or the emotions that I was trying to process just broke off. And, and, and we want the breakthrough. And, and listen, I, I'm praying for breakthrough in our lives. We, we believe in breakthrough. We're not just like, yeah, this is mundane. We just show up every week and in 50 years, maybe God will do something. No, we believe God can speak. We believe he still heals today. We believe he still speaks today. But we must realize and understand it's not the only way he moves. And in fact, it's probably not even the most often way he moves because often God works in the process. So that when you and me open our Bibles and when we read, God is doing something in our hearts even if it's more slow than we want, even if it's more invisible than we want, God's doing something. When we spend time in prayer, God is forming us and helping us to become more like Jesus. So God does work in breakthrough, but he also works in the process. It's like this, and this illustration is not original to me. But I've, I've heard this illustration said that, you know, my, my wife Katie and I, like we try to spend time together every single day. And one of our favorite things to do is to go on walks. If we get a babysitter, um, we'll go out to eat. And one thing that you'll realize if you get married or if you're in a relationship or even in a friendship is that there are those moments that are just so powerful. There are those moments where you're like, man, that was so good. We were connecting at this deep level and we were just so loving each other and remembering, man, this is why I fell in love with you and it's so incredible and so awesome. And there are moments that are very great, but they're just normal moments. It's like, man, it's a, it's a Thursday afternoon and we went for a walk together. And I didn't feel any type of way. I was grateful that we got to go on a walk, but it wasn't like this thing where the skies opened up and Cupid shot his arrows in our heart again. But, but the reality is, I can only have those beautiful breakthrough moments if we build a rhythm of the process moments. If we invest into each other over time, and the more we invest, the more we open up our hearts, the more we spend time together, the more space we create for the breakthrough moments to happen. And it's exactly the same as with God. As we get to know his word, as we get to know his voice, we become more sensitive and more aware of how he's moving. So how does God transform us? He transforms us, yes, through breakthrough, but also through process. The last question I wanna ask is this, how should we give our attention to God? How should we give our attention to God? And I'm about to talk about and go through a couple of spiritual disciplines here. 
some, some practices and some habits that, that we should build in our lives. But I need us to realize something. Remember, the title of our message tonight is A Resistance of Attention. And the, and the habits that we build, they're only as good as when we give our attention to Jesus. And so prayer and reading scripture, it's not just about checking a box. It's about pointing our hearts towards Jesus. But, but a couple of the best ways that we can spend time with Jesus is first off in prayer. And secondly, it is reading scripture. And then we do those things alone which means by ourselves in the morning, in our car before work, in a specific chair with our, with our cup of coffee. But we also do them in community. This is so valuable as we're gathered together around the word, around praying, around, around singing. And we do this informally as well in friendships and in small groups and in community groups and discipleship groups and coffee dates. All of these things are things where we gather around pointing our attention towards Christ. It says in Ephesians chapter six that we should pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer. So Paul is saying part of our resistance is praying and pointing our attention to Jesus. And then about the scripture, Psalm 119, it says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. It's a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. That, that as we pray and as we open up God's word, it guides us and leads us along the way. Now, I don't have a ton of time tonight to, to do a deep dive teaching into how to pray and, and how to read the Bible, um, but I have created some content elsewhere where that happens. And so I'm gonna put up a little QR code and a little, a little um, URL there. And I just wanna let you know this because this is a resource. So you can either scan it and go to it right now or you can just take a picture of the URL. But the point of that is that the, the, there's two links there, one text and one audio for each that give like a five minute reading or like a, a 10 minute audio on how to pray and then also on how to, to read the Bible. And so if, if you're in a place where you're not as confident, like, man, I feel like when I read the Bible, I don't know how to do it, or I feel like when I pray, I'm, I'm challenged in it, this will walk you through that and, and kind of lead you down that path. And that's also a beautiful thing. Man, if you uh, have some time this weekend or, or, or spend some time tomorrow with God, just take some time and work through that. And I think that'll be helpful to you as you dive into the scripture. I wanna, I wanna close with this. Um, right now, um, I'm, I'm married and I have a, a one and a half year old. I have uh, another baby on the way. And so like, but my life looks different than, than the lives of, of many in this room. And every season of life that you're in, you have to like figure out your routines. You have to figure out your, your rhythms. You have to figure out how things go. And I was thinking about this because like, Probably, like, like, I really believe in this idea of giving our attention to Jesus. And I try to prioritize it every day. And just because of when my son wakes up, like, typically for me, between 5.15 and 5.30, I'm awake and I'm making my cup of coffee and I'm reading something that encourages me spiritually. I'm reading the Bible. I take a prayer walk 
with my son um, where he's just riding in the stroller looking at trees and trucks and I'm praying. And so I try to make this a consistent rhythm in my life. But, but what I, I need us to understand and the reason I even share that is because I was thinking about when I was in college and literally when I was in college, I like, and I still am, I, I am not a morning person. Like I do not enjoy the mornings. And I, I would just be always having the best intentions in college when it came to like reading the Bible. And so I would wake up and I would set my alarm for like 7.30 or seven or whatever. And, and, and I was on the top bunk. And so I would put my alarm like way far away. So I had to like get down and wake up and turn off the alarm. But literally every morning I had this couch that was like next to my bunk bed. So what I would do is every morning and I was so annoyed at myself for doing it, I would get down off the bed, turn off the alarm, hit the snooze, and then just pass out on the couch for like four minutes. And, and, I, and then I would do it again. It would be like the next four minutes later, you're doing it again. And by the way, like I'm not saying that's the source of every piece of depression, but like you do that like seven times and you're like, man, I'm really horrible. Like you just feel so bad about yourself. So like that was what was happening every single morning. And, and I would say really in college, I'd never built that, that, that rhythm. And then when I graduated, when I started working here, uh, doing video production, like I was like, man, I work for a church. Like, I should read my Bible like at least once a week, you know, <laughs> just an idea. And, and so I tried to start building it. And it really was to the point where oftentimes, maybe once, twice, three times a week, I was waking up 15 minutes before I should and just reading like a few passages of scripture. Then um, a few years into that, like I got married and just being married, you, you tend to have a little bit more of a rhythm, tend to have a little bit more of, of like consistent schedule. And so I was able to figure out, all right, like four times a week I'm up and I'm reading God's word. Th then a couple years later, had a kid and it was like, man, this kid is waking up when he wants to wake up, which is probably like 6.45. And so you got to figure out a time to do it before then. And also, when you have a kid, you're really exhausted, so you go to bed at 9 o'clock. And it's like, man, you might as well wake up at 5 because I've been asleep for eight hours. But, but I, I tell you that story, I, I really sincerely am not trying to put any expectation on anybody of like, man, you should be up at 5 a.m. We're all starting a group text and we're all texting each other. You, like, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, number one, I want to encourage you that, like, if you are, like, discouraged or if you look at me or anybody else and say, man, I can never be there, like, it was literally for me, and I'm still very much a work in progress. I'm still trying to, to grow in, in various disciplines in my life. But, like, it is a process, and the best way to start is to start small, but just to start consistent to try and figure out what is it that I can build into my life to point my attention toward Jesus. And, and honestly, I really believe God rewards that. I really believe God rewards a small effort. And, and if for you, like the, the, the effort is, man, I can give God a, a minute of prayer and four minutes of Bible reading and then a minute of prayer after that, like, like if that's the step that you take and it's a consistent step that you can build on and advance in, that's awesome. I don't want you to say, well, I'm gonna try to do two hours every morning and then you never do it. 
But, but I want you to take a step forward and trust that God's gonna continue to build. God's gonna help you grow. God's gonna advance us down the field. But, but we are at war. And, and we're never gonna be aware of, of what God's doing and we're never gonna be aware of how we can play a part if we don't give our attention to the things of God. And, and so as we close, I'm just putting up kind of three questions on the screen. And I, I, we may be able to see them a little better over here. First off, I just simply want us to reflect on this question. What, what are you paying attention to? And, and I think this is just a question that's just really healthy for us to ask. Because again, two, three, four hundred years ago, there weren't a lot of options to pay attention to. Like if a pastor 200 years ago was saying this, they'd be like, we're all paying attention to crops. That's it. <laughs> like some sheep and some, some goats and the stray cat. That's what I'm paying attention to. The same as I have for my entire life. But, but we don't have that. We have literally an endless supply of entertainment to pay attention to. And so I think it's just worth us asking, what are we paying attention to? And then the second question that I think is really important is how much attention am I paying, are you paying to things that you don't wanna become like? What we pay attention to is what we worship. How much of my attention is being given to stuff that I don't want to form me? And then the last question is this, do you have a time and place to spend 15 minutes every day with the Father? I think 15 minutes is a healthy start, but I would say if you could start with, if it's too much, start with five, if that's, not enough, start with 10, but do we have a place to carve out? Let me spend a little bit of time praying and reading the scripture, understanding, yeah, there's gonna be breakthrough moments, but, but it's about the process, it's about the formation. Well, let's pray. God, I know that this has been a lot of stuff for us to consider and think about, but I do sincerely pray that we would be aware of the fact that we are in a battle and that we would be desiring to, to fight the battle by, by, by pointing our attention toward you. God, I pray that, that you would give us the desire and the discipline to be able to spend time with you, pointing our focus and thoughts towards you, and that you, you would speak to us. God, I pray that if there's people in here who ha have not really ever had a time in the morning where they spend with you that, that they would take that step, but also that you would meet them there and that you would confirm that that's what they should be doing. I pray that if there are people who are struggling, that you would help them to continue to take that step. And I pray that you would help all of us to, to lead a life that is built around devoting our attention to you. We thank you, God, and we love you. We thank you that you're at work. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Harbor, please follow us on Instagram at wearetheharbor. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.